black ball. Black, black, black ball. What is up, everybody? My name is James D. Fiore, and this is Blackball, the Plymouth Brethren Christian Church. We have been reporting on this for seven months, something like that, six months. And recently, uh, Canada Land just put out the last installment of Ratfucker, their pod series that featured uh, the Klondike Papers and David Wallace and Richard Marsh and the Plymouth Brethren Christian Church and their political connections. And also we decided, or I decided a couple weeks ago that once a week I was going to do a Plymouth Brethren show just so we could at least uh, kind of review what, what may have happened recently on the Get A Life podcast. Uh, and in this case on the Ratfucker podcast and here to help me do that are people that you both know, David Wallace and Richard March. How you doing guys? Very well. Good. Um, Richard, uh, Ratfucker just ended. Um, just can you give me like an overall synopsis on how you felt the pod series was? I thought the reporting was good. I thought um, I, I thought the, the series was, was helpful in trying to get the message out about the Plymouth Brethren. Can you just give me your sense on how you feel the, the docuseries was overall? Uh, yeah, I was, um, I was surprised... Uh, how little of the story it actually covered it it um it skipped through it and touched a lot of the most interesting points but there was an awful lot um that could have been said that wasn't said and uh, i guess i hadn't realized just how much stuff has actually happened you know not just in my life but in other people's lives so you could call this a a kind of a taster or a, a teaser for the full story. Um, I, I felt it was very, very well presented, very engaging. Uh, there were a few uh, inaccuracies, nothing of substance or that affected the meaning of the story. But um, if I was to make a criticism, I would have said, uh, you know, they could have... Um, check back with me on a few points there were some chronological errors in terms of the sequencing of it no, nothing as i said that affected mm. the meaning um but yeah so overall uh very potent very potent but as i said a teaser david given that um you are the rat fucker um can you tell us uh, how you felt about the, the series overall i thought it was extremely well produced but much like uh, your favorite book, once it's adapted, um, what makes it onto the screen sometimes bears little resemblance to the original source material. Can you That's, give me an example? What do you mean? Um, I think most of the most juicy bits probably got left on the cutting room floor. Um, Jesse um, and Sharice, uh, when they came to Calgary, they, they did uh, many, many, many hours of tape 
And uh, I guess I can understand it because some of the individuals named are extremely litigious. So perhaps those were editorial decisions that were made. But in terms of presenting the stories that they did, um, they were they were, you know, the broad strokes were there. And, um, you know, for simplicity's sake and, and probably to keep the narrative flowing, uh, to make it simpler for the audience, uh, some decisions were made. So by and large, I was, I was impressed with it. I mean, the only quarrel I take is stating that you can find nothing in the convoy. I've stated over and over that uh, the Klondike papers are by no means an exhaustive uh, roadmap to every action that's taken place in Canada in the last half decade or decade. Those are just things I kept to remind myself of what was going on. Um, such as uh, naming um, that there was, in fact, a member of the prime minister's security detail. I knew that because I've utilized people as snitches, but I didn't want to mention that because I wasn't sure I was completely retired, but it seems I am. Um, on the whole, though, I, I thought it was well-produced, and I think that uh, Jesse will probably follow up if there's demand. And uh, I know that a lot of really hard news stories will be covered for this and it also shines a light on the work the light on the work that you guys have done for months i think it it, it adds that uh, those those eyeballs that had not heard of this to this part of programming and and maybe it uh, maybe it strikes a bell so good I, I wouldn't have even known from uh, listening to Radfucker that we did any work um no i'm just kidding there, there's a there's a small part of me that is that feels a little bit i don't know what the word is it's not because I, I want to be careful not to give the impression that like my ego is hurt and it's not really about ego, but I heard him reference press progress. I heard him reference the get a life podcast. Um, I heard him reference. I think he, they referenced the CBC story at one time. Um, there was so much content in, in Radfucker that I feel that we covered already um, without really much of a mention. I was a little confused about that. It doesn't really matter in the long run because, um, you know, what, what really matters is more and more people see the story, which leads me to my next question, Richard, is that do you think that this pod series will finally give um, an, a, the awareness of the Plymouth Brethren Christian Church a little bit of a boost? Um, have you heard anything like like, you know, I know this is just sort of like you uh, predicting something, but do you think that um, do you think that it will help? Oh, 100 percent. I mean. Uh, land isn't isn't uh, quite what we call mainstream media, but it has sufficient uh, cut and reputation that uh, if mainstream media continues to ignore these stories, then you know very very serious questions are going to be asked. I mean, they 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 basically they can't now continue to stonewall these these stories. And in fact, of course, the first uh, episode of Ratfucker, which covered the Calgary Nenshi story, mainstream media leapt in on that, which is a little two-faced of them because they've all had the Klondike papers for for six months, but they just wanted someone else to go first, you know. Um, and, you know, it's this what I call the canary in the coal mine, they, they, they see if the canary dies, and then if the canary's okay, then they know they can follow, which doesn't say much for their um, courage. But, yeah. um, you know, get on with it, guys, you know. 
No one's been sued. Oh, except for David, of course. Uh, David has been threatened with being sued, at least. But that yes, has right. nothing to do with the Klondike papers. <laughs> no. Um, yeah. um, David, why if are you being legal sued? Advice, if your legal advice for the per person suing me, I don't even remember the, the fucker's name, pardon my language, but if the legal advice you received to proceed with that is as good as the uh, the, the case you're planning, I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna really enjoy this. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, someone's suing you because you. It was. I, I mean, I don't want to really get into that, but um, you're being sued by. I don't remember who it's who who who's suing you. I know the amount is like four grand. Flutter, fart, or something of that. Yeah, and it's because of a tweet. Build a brand. Build a brand or something. Yeah, yeah, it seems like pretty pretty cheesy. Um, David, the, the the whole thing about Trudeau taking out Trudeau, mm -hmm. what I found interesting because when we covered that a long time ago on this podcast, we I remember discussing uh, we discussed it two or three times, and I remember thinking, you know, when someone says take him out, I, I guess we could assume that they they might mean one thing that's really violent, but we we live in in an age where um, scandal and you know this because this was your job is used as a weapon to get people to be removed from office and that was always the impression that I got with that conversation with that with that with the uh, with the reporting of the story of of talking um, with Nathan and who was it uh, Brad Mitchell and Rodney uh, Diplock and a gentleman named Mick Strange and at the top of the call um, Gerald Chapur. Right. And, and when they said, uh, but you know, we, we, we want him, we want him, we want Trudeau to be taken out by any means necessary. Do you, do you not think like in hindsight um, that that was more about attach a scandal to this man to get him out of office? Uh, well, I don't need the benefit of hindsight, James. If you listen to my original statements during the first podcast, I mean, I never claimed that, that Brad Mitchell meant to kill him. I took it as simply meaning to smear the man, to create a scandal, to get rid of him. However, the problem was the interpretation that a man such as Nathan Jacobson might have. His interpretation is or could be wholly different than mine simply due to the natures of our areas of purported expertise. Now, I took it as smear the man. What is puzzling is Mr. Mitchell, um, certainly didn't seem to shoot the idea down with Nathan when, when Nathan brought it up. He wasn't as insistent. Um, um, he didn't protest at all. I don't think that he meant it, but I think he was more than willing to, to, to listen uh, to something like that. But uh, I, I never claimed that I thought he wanted him murdered right off. Never. Mm -hmm. Um, one of the good things that, um, one of the few good things I, I, you know, there, there were a bunch of good things that came out of Ratfucker was the, um, the attaching of the Plymouth Brethren Christian Church to their UBT businesses. I actually thought they took a really like um, scenic route to, to get to the point where it was like, these are cult companies. Like, it's okay. They were like, I don't, how do we connect the Richard Marsh being hunted from UK to here? And I was just like, they're, they're all part of the same umbrella, right? Like, it seemed like they, like, like they didn't, like Jesse and Sharice didn't, it felt like they either were nervous to make the connection or didn't make it like as obvious as I thought they should have, which is like, that's how they're connected. The UBT companies that are all kind of daisy changed around, around the world. Um, you know, this is one daisy chained. I like that. Yeah. This is one mechanism. Um, you know, Richard, did you feel the same way? Like that, like it, they seem to, to really be overly careful on, on those points. 
I, I didn't particularly notice, but then of course I knew the connection anyway, so I probably wouldn't have registered. Uh, one thing that is interesting on that point is that Damien Hasty, who you will find on Twitter, mm -hmm. um, has, uh, I don't know if he's exactly got the complete, complete and full proof, but it, it seems to be very clear that all those um, 60 or 70 PBCC companies that got the COVID contracts in the UK were not, um, I mean, obviously they were interconnected by, by all being brethren, but it seems like all of them or nearly all of them were simply front companies for uh, Unispace, which is owned by Gareth Hales, son of the man hmm. of God. So, uh, and then of course, what comes out of that is that the, the, the National Health Service or the government thought they were purchasing from UK companies, which governments like to purchase obviously from their own country's businesses. While in reality, they were purchasing from an Australian company, which had 50 or 60 UK front companies. So that's something that's going to be emerging, uh, I think, very soon and very clearly. Did, did they do the same thing in Australia and the UK as they did here, which is like, you said front companies. Here, yeah. it's like they didn't even try to build a front company. It's like, um, you know, Klondike lubricants, uh, you know, specializing in, um, in industry oil or whatever it is um, uh, for harsh environments, I think, all of a sudden are like dealing with PPE equipment. Yeah, um, yeah, no, that's exactly, that's what I meant by a front company. I mean, mostly they took existing brethren companies and used them as a front. Um, uh, there were a few cases of new companies set up in a vast hurry. But in, yeah, just like here, a lot of the companies supplying the PPE in the UK had no previous connection with healthcare. Yeah, I, I, I mean, I don't know. It's interesting, David. Do you think that? Um, do you think that it's still uh, uh, the residue of having a fixer sort of be the source for all of this stuff? It, is that still bothering editors? Like, have you talked to any reporters? Because I know you talk to them sometimes, but no, I don't think that's the problem at all. I think this comes down to one thing. I mean, there have been people who reputationally have been fathoms and, and miles worse than me that have been lapped up by the media. It comes down to powerful connections and money. Where there's money and there's political connections, you are bound to get silence from the mainstream media. You're asking these people to go after themselves. I mean, the owners of these establishments and the people they do business with, their circle of friends, the mainstream media is the problem. It's the people we're going after. They're the ones that accept payment that are funneled through religious organizations that are not taxed or, over, or overseen by any agency. Those flow in and they find their way into companies and lobbying groups such as Post Media, which are sure not going to blow the whistle on themselves. That's my opinion, allegedly. Do you think that is the reason why they were able to get that um, advertising wrap around the front page of the National Post that... Uh, I don't remember what it said, but it was about Trudeau and uh, how we need to replace him or something like that. Yeah, and they put hypocrite or something. Yeah. Listen, Brad Mitchell told us in that Zoom call that he could call any big city paper 
and have front page news with whatever we could dig up or whatever we could manufacture. He made no bones about that. He said that they had stroke and the man showed it. I think that's why he bragged about trying to set Trudeau up with allegedly uh, being sexually involved with a younger woman. What was that? The prior to the which uh, election was that? 2017. Yeah, I got fooled by that one too. I, well, I, 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 but the was, thing was about that one. You know, it, interesting because if if Brad Mitchell told you the truth, that he um, that it was him or his circle or whatever that started that rumor, they filtered that rumor through former Harper staffers. Because two of my sources were were longtime Harper staffers. And when they told me about that, I, I was like, I didn't actually uh, report on it like it was true. Um, I It was a mistake. I, I In hindsight, I shouldn't have done this, but I did it anyways. But there, all these rumors were flying around for so long. And I kept on talking to these reporters. And these reporters knew about this story, but they weren't reporting on it. And I couldn't figure out why at the time. It was probably because they didn't have uh, enough evidence. So I tweeted out, hey, these are the rumors that are going around uh, about Justin Trudeau. And it was with uh, an underage student and a settlement and an NDA is basically. And I put at the bottom of the tweet, I have no idea if this is true or not. And I hit tweet. And of course, that set off an avalanche of, of crazy, um, which was basically caused by me by reporting the rumor, which I, which I shouldn't have done. But, it, but the way that the rumors circulated um, was really interesting because if it did start with Brad Mitchell, it would make a lot of sense because, again, the two main sources that I had were Harper staffers, and then I talked to another reporter, and his main sources were former Harper staffers and and a current, at the time, I think it was a current, um, uh, uh, who was the leader of the opposition at the time, um, Smiley Man, former speaker. Oh, uh, Chucky, Sheer, uh, uh, Sheer. Andrew Shear, that's right. So, uh, you know, so that would make sense, the Brad Mitchell thing. Do you think that he was telling the truth, though? Because I know that he likes the bluster as well, from what I'm He may like the bluster, but I believe he was telling the truth. I mean, but look, this is nothing new. This guy is showing everybody who he is. I mean, look at the individuals he wanted me to hire to chase down debts for PPE supplies. Vinny Pazienza and Chuck Zito. I mean, this guy wanted to hire bounty hunters, bikers. He wanted to send and bring the violence. This is how they conduct themselves. I have absolutely no doubt in my mind that Brad Mitchell was serious. He was Brad. Well, I can give you another. I can give you another piece of evidence there, very compelling, and that is in the 2005 New Zealand elections, the Brethren hired private investigators to follow the husband of the New Zealand Prime Minister, who was a Helen Clark, she was a left-wing Prime Minister. Her husband, um, Dr. Davis, was rumoured to be gay. Um, and there had been a report or a photograph circul circulated, which showed him giving a hug to a, an openly gay male member of parliament. And this, they, you know, someone was kind of using this to imply that uh, the prime minister's husband was potentially having a, an affair with this guy. So the brethren hire private investigator, a guy called Wayne Edua, to stalk the prime minister and her husband to see and to go through their garbage to see if they could possibly find any substantiation or anything to add fuel to the fire. Um, with, the, with the intention of swinging the election, which was very closely balanced. And then 
curiously enough, the private investigator goes public, um, a little bit like our, our, our friend here, um, which has the effect of hugely embarrassing the, the right-wing party in New Zealand and, and swung the election the opposite way. Um, and so this is, and this of course is all in public newspaper. You can Google it, it's all there, there's no question about it. There was a book written about it called The Hollow Man um, by Nikki Hager. Um, so hiring private investigators to dig dirt on the prime minister with the intention of removing him or her from office is something the brethren have already done. It's already publicly exposed. It's their MO. It's what they do. So it's not at all surprising they would want to do this. It would be surprising also, if they weren't doing this. Um, perhaps New Zealand needs to beef up their security a, a bit if private investigators can just go through the prime minister's garbage. Well, I hit the fan, yes. I mean, that's in the newspaper report. You know, what was wrong with the PM's security? You have to remember that New Zealand is, um, you know, it has the population of an average Canadian city. So um, it's not quite so security conscious as Canada would be. Hmm. But I yes, mean, it was, wouldn't make that bet. Well, no, 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 I imagine they've be they're not too secure here either. Well, well I, I think know. we're learning now. Yeah. <laughs> I think probably this last couple of years have made Canada and, and our security apparatus a little bit more careful than maybe we have been in the past. You know, I, I think uh, with the convoy stuff, um, with the with the with all the leaks, especially from the Ottawa Police Department um, to convoy organizers, that's a little mm. disconcerting. Uh, I don't know if you heard about that, Richard. Oh, yeah, I noticed that. Yeah. No, the other thing I was going to say is we did an interview on our own podcast channel. That's uh, X-Cult Conversations. Uh, get a life, X-Cult Conversations. Uh, we did an interview with a with an ex-member from New Zealand called Braden Simmons, and we went into a lot of depth about those New Zealand political scandals. So um, that's going to be an interesting, um, that'll probably be out within a week or so. But, you know, I think your audience would find that very interesting. If you don't mind me poaching your audience. No, a please, please. You can, uh, if you want, if you can uh, go, go grab the YouTube link and stick it into the chat there. If you want other people to take a look at it, you go right ahead. That's totally fine. Um, David, where do we go from here? Where do you go from here? Um, I know we're going to do, other than the podcast and everything, and we'll talk about the book stuff a little bit later. But I mean, as far as uh, anything else that you can do, uh, either with the Klondike papers or beyond that, is there anything that you are planning on 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 unveiling or unearthing in the next little while? Um, I'm not asking you to break news necessarily, but you know, is it, where what direction are you going in? Well, funny you should ask. Um, the last ten days, especially. Um, I gave Richard a box and a collection of volumes representing roughly the last half decade of my work. Um, digging through my tickle trunk, I uh, put together some other care packages and sent them to media, uh, disruptive media, in four other different countries. And um, I think maybe since the last five years have come out and have led to some serious discussion. Perhaps the last 25 years should come out. And uh, I've done my best to see that those will uh, hit the fan in the new year. 
Um, so I imagine I'll be quite busy or quite dead, one of the two. Um, either way, it should be a blast. I love how we're all having a, oh, I might end up dead. <laughs> like we're, we're all laughing at that. But I mean, you know, if they haven't gotten you yet, I mean, what, what, what else are they waiting for? Right? Well, if they wanted to get me, I'd be gotten. Let's not kid ourselves. I mean, um, it would be done and, and nobody would hear about it until they heard about it. Um, that's just the way these things go. So I obviously am being allowed a little bit of rope to run with, which is fine. Um, Hi, I'm Steve Yurko. And I'm Tara Sands. Now available from Maji Media is our new podcast, Four Kids Flashback. Four Kids is the company who brought you the English dub of Pokemon in the late 90s and so many other shows like Yu-Gi-Oh!, Shaman King, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, Kirby, the infamous One Piece dub, and so many more. We'll be talking to the people who worked at Four Kids. Actors, directors, writers, editors, producers, engineers, you get the point. And hopefully get the answers to questions both you and I have about the company. I actually worked there as a voice actor on some of the shows. And I was a kid watching the shows and remember way more than Tara does. And thank God for that. Steve is actually a professional storyboard artist, which gives some really unique insights into anime and animation. Subscribe today wherever you get your podcasts. That's the number four kids flashback. What's important here is that people wake up and realize what is going on. And what is going on is a group of oligarchs who happen to wear the costume of being conservative movers and shakers. They're not real conservatives. What they are, people represent the old world, the world of oil, the world of raping this planet of its resources, the world of having the top 1% have 85% of all wealth on the planet while the rest starve. What they are blocking is new innovation. What they are doing is destroying true equality among human beings, finding new ways of doing things that not only sustain us as a people, but give us all, all our basic human rights and dignity. We need, we need to move forward because if we don't, we're going to get left behind. We're going to have more and more and more crimes being committed against the people by a dying system of criminals. Run for and buy. Look at the situation going on in Alberta right now. It's a goddamn disgrace. You have a girl who was allegedly, I'll use that word, raped at gunpoint when she was 16 years old by a allegedly Calgary cop who went on years later to become a city councilor. And then on the advice, allegedly, of a disgraced former solicitor general, who offered that same victim the advice that perhaps a publication ban is needed. The facts of that case didn't get out to his uh, constituents until it was too late, and he won 100 votes. I think when bullshit like this goes on in our society, the rule of law means nothing. And that is why I'm doing this. Because for years, I stood by and I watched it. I would fix things, but I never went to the smut. I never went to victims. I didn't, I didn't turn the screws into vulnerable people. If you're bad and you're in the game, I don't care. One or the other's got to go. The guy who pays me, that guy who's paying me to get rid of it, he goes. That's fine. You're in the game. But when ordinary people, good people, and children get harmed, I'm done. I'm it. Full stop. It's time we have to go a, to war. 
We have a question from Leanne Schaefer, one of our viewers, asking if you're afraid. Afraid of what? You know what I'm afraid of? I'm afraid of doing something good with my life before I die. If I can't do that, that's what makes me afraid because I got a lot to make up for. If they take me out, you know what they've done? All they've done is turn the spotlight on everything we're talking about. The crimes this church has committed, this man of God, which is really a fat pig who has raped his parishioners. He's a gangster, not a man of God. He's a scumbag. I'm afraid that I won't make a difference. And I've got a lot to make up for. That's what makes me afraid. Because I don't want to have the man that you're referring to, right? Look, hypocrite. I'm sorry, sir, again. What makes me afraid. You might be able to chop my head off, but all you'll do is make it grow 10 more because people will notice and they'll say, screw this. When you get too blatant, and that's the point we're at, it's getting too blatant. I think it's time for our PMO to stand up and call a spade a spade. If he doesn't, it's a failure in leadership. You've got divided intelligence services, divided policing services. They're divided either over some wacko faith or some ideology. Are we a country, united, a federation, or are we a group of outlaw states where we pick out a cart which laws we're going to follow? It's time to show some leadership. I expect him to do so. And if he doesn't, maybe it's time for somebody new. Well, that's it. Um, yeah, uh, you know, it's it's. I mean, it's one of those things where uh, you know, hopefully you don't die, David. For one thing, let's just start. Yeah, I, mean, I don't want to. But... No. Um, Richard, I want to know. Richard, I want to know if you could tell me um, how you thought the description of the way that um, you characterized in the Radfucker pod series, um, the the Klondike papers, the way that they uh, that one segment of the interview where you described it as a Trojan horse of sorts. Can you kind of clarify what you meant by that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Very simply, it was that. Uh, when David handed over his his archives to me, um, it consisted of eighty percent political scandal and twenty percent brethren scandal. Now I wasn't much interested in the political scandal. Um, I was, of course, had a very personal interest in the brethren scandal because it mostly consists of a plot to kill or kidnap me. Um, but obviously, the general public of, of Canada, they well, they're learning now who the PBCC is, but at that point, no one in Canada knew who they were. So obviously, it wasn't a matter of public interest if they were hunting down some um, escapee. But the political stuff was obviously of great public interest. So by so rather than just publishing the Brethren segment of it, which um, probably wouldn't have got very far on its own, um, I bundled it all into one massive document called the Klondike Papers. And uh, from my perspective, the political stuff was just there as a way to get view. So that's the Trojan horse. The Trojan horse is something that was towed into the city of Troy um, under the perception it was you know, some kind of a monument or memorial. And then once it was in the city, the real purpose of it became evident because there were soldiers in the belly. So the soldiers are climbing out now. And uh, 
yeah, I mean, I, I think actually I, I'm very surprised at how much interest there has been in the Brethren side of the story. It seems to be, um, you know, basically we had one episode of Rat Fackle on the politics and two on the Brethren, which I, I thought was a mm-hmm. good sign. Yeah, I did too. I, I, I thought, um, I thought it was, uh, it was interesting because although, you know, and we did, we did some of this stuff here, you know, the, the whole allegedly, um, um, uh, joke, I guess the running joke of allegedly we, we started to do because of all the stuff that was being claimed on our podcast by especially yourself, David. But I think that the conspiracy theory element of this was largely organic. Like, we didn't tell these TikTokers to start making videos connecting the dots that they were connecting, you know, we, but we did float certain things in the air, like the uh, Nathan Jacobson side of this uh, with the whole alleged plot to quote unquote, take out uh, Justin Trudeau. But I mean, you know, like we, we didn't take it to like, I mean, then the TikTokers would put out in, in a video saying, you know, there was a plot to kill Prime Minister Justin Trudeau, we were like, whoa, whoa, whoa. We, we didn't say that. We said take out. Nathan had his interpretation. David had his interpretation. I had my interpretation. And, um, you know, the conspiracy theories were basically based on Nathan's alone. So I don't know who do you who you blame for that. But at the same time, I thought it was a really interesting, um, you know, sort of uh, organic um, evolution of the story that people started their own, you know, digs into what the heck the Plymouth Brethren were. Um, you know, there was a lot of, uh, especially when the Klondike papers first came out, there was a lot of, uh, you know, information that was being sought after from, uh, from, from the Plymouth Brethren localities in the UK and New Zealand and Australia. And that's where I thought things started to get interesting. If you Google Plymouth Brethren Christian Church scandal right now, most of the stuff that comes up is from Australia and from the UK, Right. And I thought that um, that's why I thought it was uh, it was an obvious thing to me that when you uh, when you look at your story, Richard, why was Gerald Shapur um, hiring uh, people in this country to go after you? And the answer was obvious. The answer was because this is a network that is worldwide, uh, 50,000 members, and they have each other's backs. Right. Yeah, that's part of the story. Um, uh, I would say um it's not so much that it, it's that it's a network that is very intensively centrally controlled and the offended party was bruce hales himself so he gets his lackeys and minions in in north america to come after me because i was in north america if i was in jamaica here to get his jamaican minions after me wherever i am he's got feet on the ground so yeah um David, what is the best way to go after the 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 the, the sort of low hanging fruit stories about the brethren in Canada right now? Like, what 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 would you suggest doing? Like, if, let's say you were an editor, which is a really awesome thought in a lot of ways. But let's say you were the editor of an of a publication. What would you be doing right now in order to unearth more brethren related stories? I'd be going into every community that I could find that has brethren, and I would simply be canvassing to see if there's any more victims of sexual assault. I, I believe that, uh, um, you know, this behavior, it's clearly been shown to be acceptable in many cases. Um, in watch Get the Get a Life podcast. It's, it's, uh, it's, uh, it's hard at times. 
it's hard to listen to. Um, it's, it's, it's just hard sometimes to listen to what happened to these people. And, but if you will get over it because you can see that these people have decided that this is not going to define them. Um, and, and I think it's, I think it's something that goes on in every one of their communities, much like where the parish preach who, uh, preach priest who does those filthy acts is, is just shuffled from one parish to the next. It seems to be a habit. It seems to be a well, uh, uh, used uh, trick of the trade in these organizations, if you'll call it. So that's where I would go because where there, where there's, uh, where they smoke, there's fire. That's what I would say. And Richard, um, one of the cool things about the documentary is I, I, the way that the last episode, uh, the Ratfucker one, the way that the last episode kind of ended on an emotional note with you, um, especially when it came to your daughters. Um, you found out recently, you said that a couple of them got married? Yes, that's right. And how do you not think about that daily? Um. Well, I mean, I have a new life. I mean, I have a daughter of my own on the way, a new one. Congratulations. Um, Congratulations. And I do think it, it's becoming increasingly likely, I, I think, that that I will be reunited with, with all of my children. Um, the signs are um, that the church is heading up for a major schism of some kind. Um, it's a little overdue. The last one was in 1970. Bruce Howells himself has been talking about it. He's obviously anticipating that there's going to be um, significant defections. Um, and, and I'm pretty sure that my children will be among the first to leave because I'm sure they, they know me. They know that I'm an honest person, person of integrity. And they know that you know they'll be listening to these podcasts they they have that curiosity um uh, and i think when there is a, a split in the church I, I know which side of it they're going to be on so whether that will be in a year's time or five years time i don't know but i've never been more optimistic about it do you think your ex-wife will be on the same page as your daughters and if so would that i mean that's got to create sort of a confusing like you know reunion of sorts wouldn't it that is always the, I mean, this is the, this is the thing with the church that however many people split away, there's always that line of division. So it's always ripping families apart. I mean, if my ex-wife leaves, then she leaves her nine siblings. She leaves her, her father. Um, there's always a, you can't take a piece off a tablecloth without tearing the tablecloth wherever the line of division is, you're breaking families apart. So where that line falls, I don't know. Yeah, that, that, there's something sort of extra sinister about that doctrine of separation, isn't it? Because it's, it's really oh, yeah. just, do you, do you know what the wording is like? Because I don't think I've ever read it or anything, but I'm, you know, the overall gist is basically choosing the cult over the family. But, uh, but can you give me an idea of how it's worded? Well it, well, it isn't. You see, the brethren don't have um, a formal code of rules. They just have 
about 25 feet of printed volumes of what they call ministry, which is transcripts of of what are purported to be Bible readings. You know, they start with someone reading some verses of scripture and then it's just, you know, the man of God of the day holding forth on his wisdom. Uh, and so um, yeah, the, the only way they can actually make sense of such a huge volume of work, uh, and I'm not exaggerating when I say 25 feet, is 25 feet of solid, closely printed pages. Um, like, do they, they, they unroll it like they do with the scrolls in the old no, days? No, they or? have gone as far as, you know, book binding. Um, but yeah, it, 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 it's, it's 25 feet of books. Um, yeah. yeah, I mean, you're, you're, you're an assistant librarian. You know what? how much information is on 25 feet of bookshelves. That's what it is. Oh, okay. Um, and no pictures, all text. Um, and so they have, they have indexes to all this. So for each of the leaders, um, there's uh, an index to the ministry by subject. So you can look up any subject and it gives you all the page references and then you can go and look up the page references. So if you want to look up separation, there will be thousands of references. Um, and yeah, I mean, it, it's all kind of spelled out there, but not as a single neat, neat rule. It's just lots and lots and lots of saying the same thing in different ways. David, um, when you get up, well, for, first of all, uh, the reason why you're hearing sniffling and sneezing is because David doesn't know how to utilize the mute button before I'm sure. he spreads sure, his COVID guys. germs all over the place. <laughs> Sorry, guys, my bad. But David has COVID, so we're going to give you a little bit of a break. Um, when you get up in the morning and, and you take a look at, at all of these things that have happened because of your actions after you refused to hand over Richard Marth, Marsh, how do you feel about yourself? Because it must be a completely a complete departure from what it was like when you before that with, with the line of work that you were in. Well, it's uh, it's been a transition, that's for sure. I mean, it's cost a lot uh, financially. It's destroyed me. I've lost everything. Uh, my marriage is functionally finished. Um, my work, my career is off the table. Uh, but honestly, I mean, I feel better. I just do. I, I, there's no pressure anymore. Um, I don't give a shit what people say. I mean, these are these are bought and paid for hacks or completely incompetent nincompoops who've never done anything in their lives, so I don't care. Um, I feel good. I feel good. I mean, Richard's going to have a daughter in, in Christmas. I mean, uh, that's amazing, right? So this, just that, just that, 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 that makes me, makes me happy. Yeah. yeah I'm happy for you too, Richard. That's, it's like, it's quite the, uh, you know, it's, it's, it's like a demarcation point of happiness for you or something, because it's been such a crazy journey for you for like, what is it? The last four years of your life? Uh, six six years well i don't i don't know i mean how far back do you want to go but yeah it's uh the last the last uh six years have been very very traumatic and how, do you feel like th there needs to be a bookend for this chapter of your life in order to start your new life where your wife doesn't like threaten to kill you because all you do is focus on this cult <laughs> <laughs> 
Yeah, well, it, I mean, there's there's landmarks. There's certainly landmarks on the way. I mean, there's a, there's there's more to do yet. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, I suppose the ultimate bookend is is when Bruce goes down. Mm -hmm. um, but yeah, I, I mean, we've come a long way. Um, a lot of landmarks have been passed, but there's a lot more to come. I think one of the things I feel most encouraged about, positive about, is just these incredible people like um, Lane and Cheryl and um, Carmen who have joined me um, in this whole project, um, specifically in the in the area of North America, to um, try and bring some justice. Um, it was a it was a little bit of a lonely journey before they came along. Uh, I mean, there've been lots of there've been lots of very active ex brethren members in the UK and um, and in Australia and in New Zealand. But in, in North America, I mean, Lane did that documentary a while ago. But apart from that, um, you know, the the, the ex brethren in North America have been keeping a very low profile. And I think the dam's broken now. Um, and, you know, it, it's just great to feel part of a team. Um, and, I mean, obviously, outside of the ex-Brethren community, there's what you're doing. Um, and there's what Alex McIntosh did with Breaking Brethren. And there's what David's doing. And there's Ratfucker. And there's all sorts of things in the works so yeah the, the 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 you know the whole picture has has changed like you know as we said the the hunters become the hunted now yes that's right um okay that's a good way to right, david did you have something to say there was there was there's you said before the show that maybe you wanted to get on your political oh yeah uh for the fix you know, we're gonna get that up and and rolling i mean i know you and i are uh going to be in panic mode trying to get uh, everything together we're waiting on a couple of uh, uh individuals basically uh, one of them had a baby so uh, his wife did mm -hmm. anyway so yeah. we're waiting on them to get it rolling and uh i started writing just uh pounding out things uh, i'm going uh, going about putting together three slim volumes of of uh, books for the possible fourth each one will be between 250 and 280 pages um, and uh, I've released them. The first one will be about uh, about uh, Calgary. I call it Rat Tales. Um, the second will be about Ontario. It's uh, called Double Down. And the third will be uh, In the Name of God, uh, The Hunt for Richard Marsh and the Plot to Remove Trudeau. So those will be available. I've put up a Patron site. Uh, needs a lot of work, but uh, if you want to support us, um, so we can I think Patron, uh, hold on, Patron, if I'm not mistaken, is Tequila. I think uh, you mean page, Patreon. 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 Sorry. Yeah. Sorry. Yes. Um, Patron, Patron is what you page. use to write it. Uh, Patreon, Patreon is what so you use to write it. that up. If you, if you want to support us, we'll be able to do a lot more uh, really cool things in terms of, uh, you know, Q&As, live Q&As, and we can add what people are, are uh, most curious about on a on a uh, more intimate basis. But uh, if you want to visit, great. We're looking forward to it. And um, pretty soon those books will be available. We're going to do it through Kindle Direct Publishing and Amazon and uh, should be fun. 
Okay. Well, listen, um, we're going to do this once a week. At least uh, I am. I'm going to rotate guests in and out. Uh, Richard, you'll probably be a mainstay if that's okay. And um, guys, thank you for joining me tonight. And uh, I'll, I'll speak to both of you soon. Thank you, Dave. That is Richard Marsh. That is David Wallace. And yeah, that was, uh, yeah, it's, it's always good to do sort of like a postmortem when, when, when more material from the, uh, about the Plymouth Brethren comes out. And uh, I thought that was a good way to sort of wrap up Ratfucker. I just want to reiterate, I thought it was a good pod series. Um, uh, I, I just thought that a lot of the uh, material was stuff that, uh, that, that was already kind of out there. But whatever, he, uh, both David and Richard did point out something that is very true. The presentation and the production of, of Ratfucker was great. Um, you know, we do a live podcast, um, but it isn't quite the, the, the you know, the, like the, the overall uh, idea of a podcast and the overall idea of a pod series are totally different things. Um, but I am just happy to be a cog in this machine that is trying to expose this group. And with David and Richard's help, um, we're going to continue to do that. Okay, so tomorrow uh, we have from the Fushnikens, one of my favorite uh, rappers, uh, as far as his flow goes, uh, Chip Fu is going to be on the show. That's going to be dope. Um, don't I, I, I? You know, I'm not going to get upset if you uh, a haven't heard of him or are not excited as I am. It's rapper day tomorrow, so I'm obviously really excited. On Wednesday, Sean Kelly is going to be here. He is the founder of the band Crash Kelly. And he is also the guitarist for Nelly Furtado, Helix, and Lee Aaron. So that should be fun. And then on Thursday, we have Laura Payne. She is from San Antonio, Texas. She's an ex-member of the Plymouth Brethren Christian Church. And she has a um, uh, made several uh, made allegations of abuse uh, against uh, former members or elders of the church. We'll get all that information from her on Thursday. So that is going to be a heavy one. But until then, we will see you next time on Black Ball. Thanks everybody. Black Podcast Super Friends is a monthly meeting of five podcast producers. Hi, I'm Catherine O'Brien from Branch Out Programs in Baton Rouge, Louisiana. I'm John Gay from Jagged Detroit Podcasts. I'm Matt Kundal from the Sound Off Podcast Network. I'm David Yes from Pod 617, the Boston Podcast Network. And I'm Johnny Peterson from Straight Up Podcasts. Together, they form the Podcast Super Friends, an alliance of podcast masterminds sharing best practices, insights, and discussions to help make you a better podcaster. Follow or subscribe to the show on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, or at soundoff.network. Come on, let's go to the Blue Hotel. The podcast that goes everywhere the imagination dares. It's for the open-minded, the pleasure seeker. 
It's Jeff Woods with the new podcast about relationships and sexuality, theme-based with special guests, the Blue Hotel Hotline, and every episode climaxes with an adult bedtime story. Get a room and listen in at the Blue Hotel. Begins Friday, September 23rd.